I will feast at the table of the Lord. I will feast at the table of the Lord. I won't hunger anymore. Welcome to the table. You are listening to the Kingstown Communion podcast with lead pastor Michelle Matthews. The Kingstown Communion is a new United Methodist Church existing to gather people into communion with Jesus Christ through courageous conversation, creative community, and collaborating for the common good. We worship at Island Creek Elementary School, 7855 Morning View Lane, every Sunday at 10 a.m. For more information about upcoming events and opportunities to serve, visit our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Kingstown Communion. We're glad that you're listening along with us. If you live close by, we hope you'll join us for worship in person. And if you ever feel so inclined to help us by giving financially, you can do so on our website, kingstowncommunion.net. Concerning the interdict, O king, did you not sign an interdict that anyone who prays to anyone, divine or human, within thirty days, except you, O king, shall be thrown into a den of lions? The king answered, The thing stands fast according to the laws, the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. And they responded to the king, Daniel, one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the interdict that you assigned. But he said, but he's saying his prayers three times a day. When the king heard the charge, he was very much distressed. He was determined to save Daniel, and until the sun went down, he made every effort to rescue him. Then the conspirators came to the king and said to him, Know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and Persians that no interdict or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king gave the command, and Daniel was brought and thrown into the den of lions. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you faithfully serve, deliver you. A stone was put, brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, so that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. 
No food was brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Then at the break of day, the king got up and hurried to the den of lions. When he came near the den where Daniel was, he cried out anxiously to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you faithfully serve, been able to deliver you from the lions? Daniel then said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths so that they would not hurt me, because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no wrong. And the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him, because he had trusted in his God. The king gave a command, and those who had accused Daniel were brought and thrown into the den of lions, they, their children, and their wives. Before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples and nations in every language throughout the whole world, May you have abundant prosperity. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people should tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion has no end. He delivers and rescues. He works in signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. For he has saved Daniel from the power of the lion. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Lord of God, for the people of God. Thanks be to God. As I mentioned earlier, we have a guest pastor today. We've been blessed to have Reverend Lindsay Bainham with us. So I'd like to just tell you a little bit about her. Reverend Lindsay Bainham is a native of Virginia and a lifelong United Methodist. She attended college at Randolph-Macon College in Ashland, Virginia, receiving a Bachelor of Arts in Religion and with a minor in Music. Following college, Lindsay attended Duke Divinity School in Durham, North Carolina, where she received a Master of Divinity. She has served in the local church, a brief stint in campus ministry, as the Associate Director for Call, Candidacy, and Discernment, and now as the Director of Clergy Excellence. All that means is that Lindsay has had the honor of hearing other people's call stories and sojourning them to where God is calling. Lindsay is passionate about meeting people along the journey, hearing their stories, and discovering their gifts and passions. She enjoys preaching, teaching, and connecting folks. In her free time, she enjoys trying new restaurants, going to the movies, road trips, and hanging with her dog, Charles. Well, good morning. Good morning. Um, you, I don't think it ever gets any easier when they read those things or when they're printed. Um, <laughs> but it is my joy to be with you. Something I will share that was not in there um, is how Pastor Michelle and I know each other. We just missed each other at Duke Divinity School, um, but we had mutual friends who were like, you have got to meet Michelle Matthews. <laughs> you have got to meet Lindsay Bainham. Okay. Um, we both love Broadway music. And there was a uh, fundraiser at the seminary called Broadway Review, um, and we were both devoted to that. And so when we met, we instantly clicked, and now I'm thankful just to call her a friend and a colleague in ministry. So when she said, hey, I'm thinking about getting out of town for a couple days, would you be with the Kingstown Communion? I said, absolutely. Um, so thank you for your warm welcome, and to Lindsay for hosting me, and to being with you all, I am so grateful. Um, would you pray with me? 
Lord, I pray that my words would be your words, that our thoughts would be focused on your word, that our thoughts and our meditations would be pleasing to you, God, because you are our firm foundation. God, you make us brave. God, you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The book of Daniel might be the ultimate summer read, right? Like a good book you take to the beach or the, the book you throw in at the last minute while you're getting ready to go on that trip and get on the plane or the one you're wrestling with in your book club. I think it's the perfect summer read, and I believe that there is something for everyone in the book of Daniel. Intrigue, mystery, passion and loss, joy and sorrow, there's some heat, adversity and adversaries, wild animals, triumph, mysterious visions, kings, statues, and lessons learned. It's a good time, y'all. <laughs> and Daniel himself embodies all the characteristics of the perfect protagonist. He's bold. He's steadfast. He knows what he's about and he's sticking to it. He's clear, he's fearless, and he's courageous. When I think about all that Daniel and his three friends endured during their time of Babylonian exile and rule, I try to think of a time of when I was that courageous. It's funny that Alyssa talked about roller coasters because I'm not... Yes, that does take courage. <laughs> but beyond, okay, I'm gonna get on this roller coaster, or I can sing karaoke, I can do it. <laughs> right? It's, it's being courageous in a way that points not to ourselves, but rather points to what God is doing. That's the kind of courage that Daniel embodies. It's a different kind of courage. It's rare, right? A friend and... Uh, fellow United Methodist pastor just released a book, and she talks about being bold and finding your fierce, right? That despite the hardships and uncertainty, finding your fierce is about living into who God created you to be. Rachel says, when we find our fierce, we live into all that God might hope for us, right, in our lives. Daniel has found his fears. He's found it. So despite doing life as a stranger in a foreign land in exile, Daniel is faithful to God in all things. Daniel, along with other Israelites, find themselves far away from home and far away from Jerusalem. And not just that, but from the central place of worship. Right? Jerusalem was where the temple was. They were separated from the heartbeat the place of community and encouragement, right? Faithful worship and devotion, they're removed from that. So like being removed from the lifeblood, they are removed gasping for air in wilderness in a town that's not their own. Now the book of Daniel begins with King Nebuchadnezzar, or Neb, uh, as I like to call him, and he's recruiting young Israelites to be a part of his royal court. And it's through their faithfulness that King Nebuchadnezzar comes to know God and respect God. Then King Neb's son, Belshazzar, I didn't come up with a good nickname for him, uh, <laughs> comes to rule and he experiences the writing on the wall, literally and figuratively. 
through the courageous interpretation of dreams from Daniel, and he too experiences God's faithfulness. Now, where we've entered scripture today, there's a new king, King Darius. These are some verses at the beginning of chapter 6 that we did not read. But King Darius is a new king, and he doesn't know Daniel. He doesn't remember how Daniel interpreted dreams and visions, right? But all of the leaders in the royal court, oh, they remember Daniel. And so the plot begins. The plot begins. And once again, steady as always, Daniel's looking to God. Daniel's remaining faithful to God, a God of deliverance and steadfast love, a God that is worth worshiping. You see, Daniel is the perfect summer read. You're relaxed in the summer. Maybe you're trying something new. And when I saw that you guys were working through this series, I was like, maybe what the Kingstown Communion is trying is living a life that is bold for the sake of God. I don't know. By now in your series, you've named the realities of living as a resident alien in a foreign <clears throat> land. You've heard the wisdom that was given to Daniel as a servant of the Lord. You've witnessed the miraculous event of a fiery furnace where three guys who stood up to a bully king were saved in the midst of flames by an angel. And you've heard how kings fall when pride gets in the way, how we fall when our pride gets in the way. All of these scriptures, all of these passages from Daniel bearing lessons that we can glean from even today. And in chapter 6, we come to this turning point in this shift, not only in the book, but in your series, right? Thus far, it's been the tales of Daniel and his friends, and now you will shift into visions and more mystery in the coming weeks. But this story, Daniel in the lion's den, is a major shift and a hinge of his leadership as a prophet for God. Daniel in the lion's den is a classic, and I'll admit, I've never actually preached on it, so I'm pretty excited. <laughs> but we've seen it depicted, right? Either in a Sunday school classroom, or I did vacation Bible school growing up, which is like camp on steroids for kids, and it was either in the, the story Bible, or it was on the wall, or it was projected somewhere, and without fail, Without fail, when it got to the part where King Darius throws him into the lion's den, you see this man looking longingly up at the entrance, and the lions are all majestic. Have y'all ever seen a lion? <laughs> it's the most ridiculous picture that they've painted of this story, right? Even the, the new remake of The Lion King, people aren't looking at Scar and going, Aww. No, no, we know what lions are. This story is incredible and ridiculous and unfathomable to us. And yet, and yet, not far from our own reality, the notion that someone would throw someone into a den for being other or different, right? The idea that God might deliver or save, that's not foreign to us. So just before our verses today, we know that the conspirators, as scripture says, the conspirators are out to get Daniel. Hey, king, didn't you sign that document? And didn't you say that anyone who disobeyed it would be thrown into a den? No questions asked. But listen to Daniel's response after the document is signed in verse 10. 
Although Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he continued to go into his house, which had the window in its upper room open toward Jerusalem, open towards the place of worship, open towards where the temple dwelled, right? And Daniel got down on his knees three times a day to pray to God, just as he had done previously. The ultimate slap in the face and act of civil disobedience. Dr. Brene Brown, who does a lot of TED Talks and she writes great books, um, and I, I fangirl her, okay? Um, but <laughs> Dr. Brene Brown writes, daring leaders who live into their values are never silent about hard things. Daring leaders who live into their values, who know what they stand for, are never silent about hard things. Daniel's not just rebelling to rebel, right? He's not praying three times a day just to say, well, that was good, right? <laughs> no, the letter of the law does not stop him from continuing in his faith and in his devotion. And while other leaders have come before him in the Old Testament scriptures, he is a strong example of finding his fears and boldly living into his values. And we've seen this before. This kind of courageousness, this kind of boldness. Students organizing protests for gun laws in the hopes that no more children will be shot while they're in their schools. Marches that advocate for women or science or black lives or teachers. Voices like Rachel Held Evans, Reverend Barber, Ann Atwater, Martin Luther King Jr., Rosa Parks, people all over the world, named and unnamed, who stand up to evil and injustice. Desmond Tutu, Benazar Bhutu, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Helen Keller, Sojourner Truth, Martin Luther, Mary Magdalene, the Apostle Paul. A long line that, in my opinion, traces back to our boy Daniel and the kind of courage, courage that he had in the face of adversity. This young Israelite guy who was a man of God. Now you may have recognized some of the names that I kind of moved through, and some of them you may not have. And that's not even the tip of the iceberg, right? Of bold and courageous people who know what they stand for and stand even when the rest are silent. But the point is this, the point is that their deep convictions and conflict of values let them stand in the face of adversity. Some of these folks are driven by deep, deep faith, and some are not. But all of them come together on a common goal of humanity, right? Of people, of justice. One leader of civil disobedience who loved this particular passage in Daniel, chapter 6, he loved Daniel and the lion's den, and that was Gandhi. He says, Daniel was one of the greatest passive resistors that ever lived. That's what Gandhi wrote in the early 20th century. Not force or might, that's not what stood out to Gandhi, but a steadfast character is what stood out to him and what continues to stand out from this scripture today. It's not just a glossed over image of a majestic man and some lions laying around him, right? It is fierceness, it is boldness, it is courage. What makes you bold? What makes you daring? 
not for showing how strong I am or showing how strong you are, but pointing to how great God is. What makes you bold? What are your values? What do you stand for? My grandmother always said, if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. What are your values? What are our values as church? What can you not stand to be silent about anymore? That's what Daniel's talking about in chapter 6. I participated in a <coughs> baptism recently, which now that I'm not in a local church week in and week out, that's a rare thing. And I, the liturgy, the words that we say to one another and the words and questions that we ask the parents or the godparents kind of came to life to me uh, in a new way. We asked the parents this, will you resist evil and injustice in whatever forms they present themselves? If so, say, I will. <laughs> will you do this for the sake of God and God's mission and kingdom in the world? If so, say, I will. How are you, how are we actively doing this? How are we seeking out our fears? How are we living into the values that cause us to be advocates, right? That cause us to be present, not for how it makes us look, but how it points to God and God's hope for humanity. Now, I won't try to name everything that, you know, um, are your values. I couldn't possibly. But I would hope that you would take this with you. Maybe you know what it is. Maybe something came to your mind and heart right now. Um, but I would invite you to pray over this. What are the things that I am not willing to be silent about anymore? But I will say that where your passions and what God is doing intersect, that's what I call the sweet spot. That's what I call the sweet spot. And that is just another plot on the journey to finding your fears. Is it creation care? Is it mentoring students in this school? Is it going to the border? Is it teaching and encouraging students? Is it standing up to the bully at your school or the bully at your office? We're not bold just to say, hey, look at me, I'm bold, <laughs> right? But rather to say, hey, check out the source of my boldness and come along with me. That it is the one who created us to be in right relationship with each other, to love God and to love neighbor as we love ourselves, that we would write that on our hearts, that we would teach that to our children. Stanley Hauerwas, who wrote Resident Aliens, I think he had it right. That it's the perfect description of the church. That we're a little bit different in how we live here and now as church. We're in a changing time where it often feels like the alien thing to do is to gather at 9.30, begin worship at 10, pray, sing, pass the peace. If people knew where that originated, I mean, it's a weird thing to do, right? It's a bit alien. But the presence of Christ's church in the world is a civil disobedience in its own right. A way of not remaining silent because we have chosen to live into our values that were set out by our creator God. Identifying those values, I think, is part of your homework. I'm giving you homework. Pastor Michelle can get at, get at me later. <laughs> but identifying those values, what is it for you, right? What causes your heart to burn? 
What do you get so excited about that I have to say something or I have to find someone who's going to join in this mission with me? I don't know what those are, <laughs> but I'm praying that they are revealed to you. Um, but as good Methodists, I will leave you with ones from John Wesley, the pioneer of the Methodist movement and the people called Methodist. He said, do no harm, do good, and attend to the ordinances of God. Or often said, stay in love with God. Do no harm, do good, stay in love with God. Find your fears, friends. Find your holy boldness that seeks after God's love and God's righteousness first. May it be so in the name of the one who creates and redeems and sustains us all. Amen. <clears throat> Creator God, you knew us before we were even born. You knit us together in our mother's womb. And now as we seek to be a part of your mission and work in the world, God, we ask that you would reveal to us how to be bold, not for our own sake, but for the sake of worshiping you, for being in relationship with one another, and to transform the world that all might know you, that all might know Jesus Christ. God, help us find our fears. We pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus the Christ, who boldly taught his disciples and us to pray by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever.
table.